When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on, guys? Happy Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. As always, so grateful for you guys. Uh, Don't forget, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. If you want me to answer your specific question, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review and your question in the review. If you're listening to this on Spotify, the obviously uh, the review goes a really long way for us. That's honestly, guys, like how podcast works, it seems nobody really knows the more reviews you have, the more people get to see your stuff. So if you guys can do me a solid favor, I do this for free. It takes me hours out of my day. Go over to the review chart, leave your review. If you want me to answer your specific questions, iTunes is the only way to actually type out reviews. So you can do that there. This is a different podcast, something that we haven't done much of before. So this is exciting for me and for you, I'm sure. This is a podcast with a nice family that is bringing their dog to um, a dog training facility that I know about, and it's a good dog training facility, and I recommend them, and they're struggling with their dog that is basically acting neurotic, and so it's on the borderline of, is this dog actually neurotic? Does this have dog have like mental retardation, or is this dog just pushing against the owners and being malicious and being aggressive and not having discipline and structure, and maybe this isn't the right fit, and it's just this whole walking through the process. So um, these guys are doing absolutely wonderful. Uh, It kind of made me tear up a little bit in the beginning just because I felt their pain and I was just so happy for them to do the amount of work that they were doing uh, to help this dog out when I know that most people wouldn't. So just really, really nice people and um, doing everything that they can to make this successful for you guys. And I, and I typically, to be honest with you guys, whenever I get a, a, a conversation like this, I don't put it out to the public. Um, there's nothing in this conversation that I felt like was um, uh, something that wanted to be left private. Those are conversations I don't put on the podcast. But um, it was just an emotional conversation for these guys. But I find I think that this is going to be really helpful for those of you who are really on that edge of like where these guys are at, where they're like, what are we doing wrong? What should we be doing? Um, and it kind of like goes through all that. So I think it's going to be really good for people who are at that, uh, at that spot. Um, anyway, so make sure you listen to the end. Uh, I'll be answering your three dog training questions. And of course, don't forget to join the no bad dog members club. Um, again, I've added my training staff to the pro team. So if you guys sign up, you have access to my pro train team and all of the benefits of having all the unreleased YouTube videos on there, as well as me going live once a week and asking me questions face to face. Link is in the description below as always. Good day and have fun on the podcast. See you at the end. <laughs> nice to meet you guys. I'm Tom. Hi, Tom. So we've had some pretty severe aggression and biting incidents. And we're scheduled actually for Murphy's first intensive uh, board and train with a local facility starting next week. Uh, and it's it's been a very difficult first couple of months uh emotionally uh we're all kind of have our nerves pretty frayed 
Um, and Elena can go into exactly what's happened, but I guess we're looking from you with all of your experience to give us some insight and understanding about why what's happening might be happening because we really don't know enough about dog behavior to really understand it, which adds to our frustration. Mm -hmm. And to the extent possible with what you learn from us, what the kind of prognosis might be for this kind of a behavior and this kind of dog. So Eleni can tell you more about Murphy. How old is he? Eight, eight, eight months. months. So he's, he's a uh, border. Well, we, when we got him, we only knew he was probably great Pyrenees. We did embark tests on him. He's half great Pyrenees, 40% border collie and 10% Australian Kelpie, which we didn't know. Um, obviously three working dog breeds. Um, he was, his mom was a stray in Texas and they, we didn't know what they didn't know who his dad was or what he looked like, or what type of breed he was. And we rescued him in New Jersey cause they brought his litter of puppies up to New Jersey, um, where I went to school. So, and we've had him since April. And he was born in February. So yeah. we got him how old? Uh, eight weeks, no, 10 weeks, 10 weeks old. So the first time we, so you've had him for seven months. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been to, uh, we first started out with resource guarding. Um, well, when he was 10 weeks old, kind of, we didn't really know whether to differentiate, differentiate from puppy biting to maybe some more concerning signs of aggression. He would kind of just latch on to, Pant legs and and but I don't know you had the biggest experience with just it seemed like normal snarling, snarling. yeah but I mean there was no more growling snarling a lot of mounting grabbing pant legs I yeah and then he from a pretty early age um, he was showing signs of resource guarding with food just growling and then it that slowly escalated to where he would be leaving something that he had to go and lunge at people. We had probably the first serious incident with a bite when he was maybe three or four months. We were told to start feeding him by hand, so we did that, and he did fine. But whenever someone else would walk by, uh, he the first incident was when he was Elena or somebody was feeding him by hand, and somebody walked by, and he left that and lunged and bit. Um, yeah, Nicole had a. Uh, a rawhide thing. He was chewing on a rawhide thing by her feet and she uh, just calm and he, she moved her leg and he lunged at her, latched onto her arm. And this was five months ago, probably. Yeah. And since then, that was when, that was when we started, we were with an original trainer, just working on mainly just, this is our first dog. So we were working on mainly, puppy obedience stuff and then those shines of resource guarding started to show up but we've had a slight growling if if someone got too close to him when he was sleeping but the only time he had ever bitten anyone was concerning food at that point we stopped giving him anything of value outside of his crate Mm -hmm. Um, and then he got neutered and his he has unattached dew claws so the vet wanted to take those off in a few weeks ago and ever since then I don't know if it he felt particularly vulnerable after the surgery or, or what but ever since then it's just been a slow climb Escalation. to we 
can't even get near him sometimes without him lunging at us and trying to bite us. Um, there was one incident where he lunged up and grabbed my mom's thigh and wouldn't let go because he was kind of standing near the door where uh, we used to keep his food. Now we don't even keep his food in the house and just out of nowhere um, was kind of starting to get up. Like he looked like he wanted to say hi to her and just lunge at her. The other day I was walking him to take him up to go to bed. Uh, he wasn't sleeping or anything. He was starting to walk upstairs. We still keep a leash on him on the house. So I was going to grab the leash. He jumped up on me, grabbed my thigh. I backed away. He came at me again, grabbed my back and then grabbed my hand. And then since then we've been wearing. So was it before that or after that we started the muzzle? We had been implementing the muzzle, trying to condition him to be comfortable with it before then. But until probably a few weeks ago, we felt relatively comfortable with him just being around the house with him coming up to pet us and stuff like that or coming petting him when he yep. came up to us. And then ever since the last few weeks, anytime he's not outside and we're not engaging with him with anything, he has the muzzle on. We do a lot of stuff outside to engage him because um, he's uh, obviously a working breed. He loves Frisbee. He loves like, cause we're, we're also kind of frustrated because that was one of the things we were also told is that maybe he's not being fulfilled in that aspect. Um, but he gets, Lots of, of exercise, yeah. lots of mental stimulation. Um, the only th the only things again, other things we can kind of tell you is that all the incidents have been in the house, uh, in the downstairs. Well, he work. also has he was as a puppy he was very friendly to other people, um, never barking or super reactive towards other dogs. And then slowly around four or five months when we started noticing some of the other behaviors escalate, he would start um, snapping at people out of nowhere without any food involved, nothing. Um, he's bitten both of our grandparents a handful of times. Not um, as serious as what happened. Yeah. Here. yeah. Most, of the, most of the incidents appear usually happen when his demeanor changes in the evening, when it looks like he's tired. And I don't know if we don't know if that's a common thing with dogs, but he it, it's more it's been more likely to happen when he's when he's tired. Yeah. And you can see his he's his posture is kind of a little more mopey. Like today, I mean this morning he was aggressive with me when she had to get him up early to go to work and we had him down here and he lunged at me and I had to get the muzzle on him and put him back in the in the crate. And then today, this afternoon, running around outside, it's like, it's Jekyll and Hyde. We spend 85% of the time with a dog that we seemingly love and mm -hmm. spending uh, time with. And the other 10% is obviously nothing that we can, that we can't live with long term. Okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, no, not a, don't, don't be sorry. It's a um, couple things. The first thing is you guys are doing a great job at doing the right things. So just, you know, be a little bit and give yourselves, you know, a pat on the back for 
putting in the work uh, with a dog like this because oftentimes dogs would uh, just, they would just be put down or be back into the shelter or something. So uh, I appreciate you guys doing as much work as you have and spending much time uh, and as much dedication as you had on this dog and continue to. So I, I give you guys a lot of uh, credit for that, first of all, because that's... <laughs> It's tough. It's really challenging. Trust me, I understand. Not many people would would do the things that you guys are doing. So, uh, thank you for that. It is going to be difficult for anybody, <clears throat> and the reason is is a lot of this could be some genetics, and if it's a genetical thing, um, only time will tell on what's going to happen. As you guys have already seen, as he's progressed and matured, time is already changing the dog a bit um i'm sure the neuter and uh being under that amount of stress you know being in the vet office and anesthesia and being handled by a bunch of vet techs and things like that it, it can be kind of traumatic for dogs and they could be edgy a bit after and obviously uh when dogs are fixed they lose all their testosterone which can i mean it, it could throw off anything you know uh, so there's, so there's that, there's just a lot going on. So that's like the first thing off the, off the rip is if this is like a genetical, almost like a retardation type of thing, which isn't common. Uh, however, it does happen. It's, it's basically neurotic behavior, uh, unpredictable, no triggers, no variables, no sense of control. Uh, there's, it, it's there's nothing anybody can do about it uh, other than trying to find somebody else that can maybe deal with it or handle it. Um, again, it's not a rare, it's not, I'm sorry, it's not a common thing. It's a really rare thing for that to happen. But even with that happening, there's also a lot of uh, things that you guys can do that can help with coping with a dog like this. And again, I know, and it, you know, when you said this is your first dog, I was like, oh man, because I just, there's something, <laughs> there's something in the, in my head that, you know, makes me think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so team dog that I'm like, oh, this is going to ruin, this is going to ruin, you're never going to want a dog again after this. So I just tell you something about that because she, yeah. she wanted this dog and she knows she admitted that she got the dog based on a picture. Yeah. And without knowing anything about him or the breed or anything else. And we know that at this point. But we're willing to put in the time and resources, and we're lucky to have the financial resources that we do. Right. She wanted a dog that she can cuddle with yeah, and sit on the couch and love and kiss. Mm -hmm. And he, we already know, even if we can straighten this out, he's he's not he's well, not that kind I, of dog at I least right now. Yeah. The one thing, too, that one of the – trainers locally that we talked to um some of it makes sense to me but she was saying that he just might not be a dog that is meant for a home life and might be a dog that needs some sort of job to do or even something or even an owner that has a lot more experience with working with dogs than, than we do and we also live a live lifestyles and have works habits where we need a dog that someone can come in and watch or we can take somewhere yeah. and I don't really know if this dog is ever going to be that for us so that's a whole nother aspect that we're kind of hoping with <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah and that's fair right that's um that happens you know um and like I said I, I think that 
you'll probably never get a dog like this again. You know, that's, that's, that's one of those things that if you get, uh, you know, you, you kind of pick a dog out of a litter and it, and it just so happens to be like this, the, the chances and the odds of that happening are just so slim that, you know, so the other thing is, is like, I totally understand where you're coming from. And, um, and it may be true where this dog is not, so there's a difference between, I just had this conversation with my mom today. She came over and, uh, I was just saying, you know, I kind of want to, I want to pet again. I lost two, two of my pets. Um, so there's a difference between my dog, Lakota. She's a Dutch shepherd. Uh, so she's like a Malinois. She's a working dog Mm -hmm. and she's not a pet. So like she won't be on the couch laying with you, cuddling with you, sitting by the fire with you. She could care less who you are. I was telling my mom today, I said, my my dog would play ball with a murderer and not care. Like she just doesn't care. Like she just wants to play ball and she doesn't care who it is. So there, so there's pluses and minuses to that. Like the, the pros are the simple fact that I could, I just went to London and did a seminar for a week and a half and my dog could care less that I was gone because the people who were staying here were throwing ball with her. So that's yeah. cool. That's a huge, you know, my, my pets would be depressed. They'd be yeah. sulky. They wouldn't eat good. When I came home, they'd be like, Oh, what was me? My dog. now." So my point is, is genetically wired dogs for working tasks are not good pets in general. Uh, they don't make good pets. They don't want to be pets. It's kind of like putting a square in a round hole. It just doesn't fit. Now, if you have good training and you have decent environmentals and socialization, like look, my dog Lakota, she's friendly with people. She likes people. She's she's tolerable and um, neutral with other dogs. But um, my point is, is this may be that dog that may be uh, just a working dog that needs to have a job and need to go out and have the pushiness that he he has. But I think you got, let me just explain to you what I think you guys are in and what I think you guys should be focusing on is I think you guys should all take a deep breath and zoom all the way out and go out of what's happening and, and just understand that a lot of the things that you guys are working on are going to be completely out of your control. No matter how much money you put into it, no matter how much time you work on it, there's going to be certain things that you're not going to be able to change. And my recommendation for you guys is, of course, to work with somebody who does have physically work with somebody who has the experience, background, and knowledge to say, hey, this is what this is. It's kind of like this. these we see these rare cases where certain people like myself can just look at a dog for like five minutes and just be like, yeah, I know what's going on here. I've seen this before. Um, and then from there, you guys will then say, okay, because I, I think that the state of mind that families such as yourself kind of get into, cause I'm a dog lover and dog owner way before I professionally work with dogs. Right. So I've, I've been with dogs since I was an infant. We have pictures and videos. They've been a part of my life my whole life, right? I have a family. Um, we've always had dogs, and I understand where where you guys are at. And I think my if you guys were my blood relatives, I'd be telling you the same thing, that I think you guys have this project of a dog, and I think you guys are doing all the right steps to say, hey, this is not this bratty dog that won't listen. Um, it could be some of that. 
Um, but this could be a genetically wired dog that needs to be working and not in a family home. And I think you guys putting in the work to making that like a realization is going to be the best thing to happen to this dog because most people would say try it, that dog would be trying to fit in tons of homes and then it would yeah. just then he would just get put down because people are trying to put that square in a round hole excuse me so i think what you guys should do and we're going to talk about training but i just think at a macro at a big scale is you guys are doing all the right things to, and I think the state of mind you guys, and I, and I think you kind of do, I know it's going to be kind of sad and maybe tough, maybe not <laughs> to say, Hey, you know what? Why don't we try to find a different home for this dog that can give this dog what it needs. And then next time, the next round that we have to, you know, getting a puppy or getting a dog. Now, you know what to look for and you know what questions to ask and stuff. So I think, I think you guys are doing everything right by this dog and you're, you're doing the best that you can by just saying, I'm going to give this dog to a professional. This dog, this professional is going to plug this dog in and it's going to look at the graph and go, this is what you got. And here's what I would recommend. And then you guys go, Oh, okay. Okay. This is where we're at. Uh, we don't own a farm and chickens and goats and ducks for this dog to be working all day. We don't own a kennel that's outside that this dog should be living in to protect the animals from coyotes. Like that, that's not us. Um, so we're going to basically then foster this dog until we can find the right fit for this dog and somebody to work with this dog. But this dog is coming with thousands of dollars of training as well as um, behavioral assessments from some of the best behaviorists in the, in the country. And you guys have everything that kind of goes with this dog with a freaking ribbon on it to say like, Hey, this is everything that we know because many people don't have that opportunity. They're like you, they're searching for a dog. That's cute. They see this cute picture and they say, Oh, I want that dog. You can then say, Hey, you know, it's it's like having a car, right? You can say, "Hey, the guy that everyone loves down in Tennessee has tuned up this, and the guy up here, up in New York, has been tuning up this." Is like a well-tuned machine for the right person. So, and and I'm saying this because I don't want to waste your time, and I don't want to beat around the bush. I think, judging from what I'm hearing, um, from what you've said, I think that that's the first thing I want to say. That's that's what's up. I think that you guys, there's a good chance that you guys are going to say, this is not what any of us signed up for, but also understand that the dog's happiness is also predicated off your selflessness to then say, this isn't what, why are we trying to do this? This isn't the right yeah. fit. And that's I know it's been a hard realization too. Totally. That's why I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to say it the way. The, Can I ask you a question about that, yeah, Tom? Yeah. I, Cause it's the, cause I, I think, we could have arrived at that conclusion potentially even without the biting issue, just in terms of, okay, we just can't handle it. He's yeah. not happy. We're not happy. This isn't the right fit. Do you, it, have you seen scenarios where someone with a dog like that, that is, has injured or could injure people could go to, because the worst case scenario for us was that if that we have to put. Yeah, it's a liability. I understand. Put it down. I can't. I can't think about that. Yeah. Um, the answer is yes, because I think it's tough. Because the um, being a dog owner and a pet owner is a completely different. It's like the difference between like 
going down to the city and working in the city in an office job and then going to Montana on a dude ranch. Like you're both still working hard. You're both good at what you do, but man, are these things freaking different? So the answer is yes, because again, it's taking a dog that we're trying to fit into this, like the life, your lifestyle and that it's just not clashing. So again, you're going to, once somebody that actually handles this dog, they'll get like handling him and like letting the person touch the dog is going to help. But, but I think that that's more for that person. Like, I don't, I don't know. Have I seen historically working dogs being fit into pet homes, not do well, do well in a home that has them work? Yes. We, we see that all the time. Um, it's like, this isn't your dog is supposed to be doing a b and c every single day and you guys are doing d f x you know so again like that's why i want you to take it day by day and step by step to say hey we got everything lined up we're doing every like and i'm telling you from somebody who has created a brand to let dog owners know how much they fail their dogs of no bad dogs. Like that's my whole thing of like letting people know and advocating for dogs. Like, Hey, this is not your dog's fault. I'm telling you dogs like this have a different perspective that you have to look at. And you just let, you just need to trust. And if I were, if I didn't know this company that you were going to, I would be saying like, you need to find somebody who really says stuff to you guys that you need to hear, not want to hear. So I, I think that that's where you guys should be at with him. Um, and I think you're doing everything right so far by playing it safe. Um, do you have any questions on that before I can give you like some things to actually start implementing? Bef- when, are you, when are you guys going into the connection? So we, we actually, and this is, a, I think, a testament to their how good they are. First, they when we met with them for an hour consultation, they told us that too, that he might not be, he's a working dog and he might not be compatible and we'll have to see. And, mm-hmm. uh, the, the point would be to keep, you know, get him to a, a potentially a family that, or a, right. a, a place that would be good for him. But also when we told them about the escalation, they stepped up and they expanded from four weeks to six weeks and they got us in starting next week. Beautiful. Because we were, originally it was the end of October and we were just like, we're and at the end us, of our, yeah. we're, everybody's walking around the house, fearful, shells, yeah. and scared, yeah. and eggshells, and we, like, we And can't. we also scheduled it, too, when it was mainly a resource guarding concern, so yeah. explaining yeah. more. So next, next Monday to answer your question. Yes. Sorry. Beautiful. Um, so that's great. And I, and again, like, uh, typically I would dive into a lot of training information, um, because I wouldn't know the company that you're going in and they probably weren't going to give you as sufficient information typically, but they, they should. Um, but I will say again, from a professional's point of view who this, I'm an expert in this. This is what I, this is my bread and butter. This is the only thing I do. I don't do puppies. I don't do basic obedience. This is what I do behavior. This is it. And you guys are doing everything right and you're giving this dog the best opportunity. And I, I don't want you to, I don't want you to, and I, I don't think that you are, I think you guys have a good headspace for this, but sometimes dog owners can get like, 
they feel defeated or they feel like they're not doing enough. And I don't think that you guys think that, but I just want you guys to keep this little nugget in the back of your head, knowing that this, you guys are, this dog is lucky to have you. And I know that you know that because there's many people who would have just, this dog would have been out. Yeah. So, Can't afford. right. And you're, you're, you're giving the dog every opportunity to have a successful life under the circumstances. And I think, that's that's what anybody could ever ask for is every opportunity to do good and if it does come out to be a dog that just needs more structure needs more job needs more stimulation with the right household and can be safe there then that's great and you guys are basically just you fostered this dog you thought you were going to keep and you're like hey this isn't the right fit we're both going to be unhappy it's not going to make sense this dog is going to go to a farm and you know, wherever. And then you guys, whenever you're ready, can, can do it all over again. <laughs> but I, but I, but really, so that's it. Um, now, as far as training goes, I do have a couple questions I want to try to dig into to try to give you guys some immediate um, things to work on. So I know that you said, uh, you said uh, 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 exercise. So what does the exercise for this dog look like? On an average day? Typically, it is somewhat dependent on the day of the week, but uh, we typically try to do at least two walks a day. On the weekends, that may be as many as like five or six miles. Uh, And then we do a lot of ball, fetch, frisbee activity, throw, comeback, throw, comeback. And one of the questions I had for you was about that kind of activity because we didn't want to do anything that it would encourage aggressiveness and you can't get a straight answer online because we do he loves to do anything where there's your tug of war type of uh he has the ball he wants to keep the ball he comes to you but then goes away because he wants you to try to get it from him and then you throw it and he brings it and we'll do that for hours you know hours and he's very he's very you you can watch too and and how he behaves when we're playing how he like stalks things it's, it's just like it's, it's, incredible, it's very right? obvious that he has like a lot of instincts like that so we really try and bring that out when we're playing with him outside yeah. and i think it's important the walks that he gets we live near a nature preserve yeah. so it's not just walking on a city street it's woods paths around the lake um, and in the last two weeks i've done probably four off-leash uh walks with him he's been very good with it we haven't started the e-cow we bought it but we didn't want to start that because we didn't want to there's never any other dogs over there it's people you know it's probably 20 acres he can run everywhere and so we've done that a few times and uh you know that's been really fulfilling i could see for him and then he comes back and he's exhausted (laughs) so yeah that's good all that's good it's all great um Going back to your kind of your possession question. Yes. The reason why you probably can't find a good answer is because the internet doesn't, it's, <laughs> it's not, you know, you, you can find whatever you want on there, right? It's, yeah. it's not. So, um, but it is difficult. So you want, this is what I'm saying is like, I feel like I know that the structure and uh, gatekeeping can definitely help your relationship because right now, if he is getting away because he's young enough, the good thing, one of the best things about this dog 
is he's young enough to it's it's a catch 22 it's kind of damned if you do damned if you don't because you shouldn't be seeing this behavior out of a young dog but also because he is young you have a lot of potential to market as opportunistic bratty what can i get away with are you going to do anything about it type of behavior i'm going to bite you does that work oh that works cool that's what i'm doing now so you'll have to start without having too much conflict work on that that's the first thing i would do i'd say like if i if i met this dog it would be this is what's going to help you the most of like what you're telling me is i would say hey go here's a slip leash put this on nice and snug I'm going to bring him for a walk. And then I'd probably bring him around the block a couple of times and I'd let him be a dog. I wouldn't care if he did any, I'm just like, let's get some energy out. Let's sniff some new, some new places. I'd come back and I'd start immediately working on a food drive, uh, type of threshold work. So I'd have him on my slip. I'd have my treat pouch. I'd have a, I have a squeaker and a treat pouch and I have my, um, my beef here and um, so I just squeak it, and he look at me like this, and I pay him just with a little bit of food. So I have little blocks of beef liver uh, freeze dried. Yeah, we bought it. <laughs> cool. So I have those Stewart's uh, beef liver treats, and what I would do is just get the dog on me, and I'd start walking backwards, and he'd follow me, and I'd start paying him with that square, and he'd lick it, and he'd try to get it out of my hand, and I'd take it away, and I would start basically paying this cat and mouse type of game where he needs me more than I need him, right? So he's like, hey, come back there with that. Give me that Give me that beef liver. Give me that, right? And I make it fun, right? But yes, good. And I wouldn't really ask any behaviors for the first 30 seconds. I would just backpedal around this room, pay the dog. And, and I'm everything that I do is on the fly. Every time I work with a dog, every time I talk to a dog owner, I'm thinking out of instinct. That's how I work. That's how I'm where I'm at. Um, I have an instinct. And so I'm just kind of talking this out as it's coming into my head. So I'm walking backwards, I'm paying the dog. So I'm immediately starting to create this transactional, like, hey, you have something for me type of thing. Dogs like this, you almost have to manipulate a bit where if you come in like, I'm in charge, I'm dominant over you and you're not, you know, that's that there's a time and a place for that. But when you're dealing, it's kind of like um, like a movie where you have this this kind of malicious character that you have to kind of buddy up with, and then you flip the script. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of what I would do with him. Is like, hey man, I know what you're capable of. I know your history. I know your mo of when you get frustrated or mad, right? But let's just start this off with a transactional thing. Hey, follow me, you get paid. Follow me, you get paid follow me you get paid and then after about 30 seconds of just talking to him yes good job good just like having some fun with him i'd just say his name i'd say sit and then if he offered me a sit yes good sit break and then i'd just walk backwards and i would start off on this transactional respect mutual let's do a little bit of work for a little bit of stuff and then what i would do is i'd kind of go up to a kennel or a crate take the slip off or i'd leave the slip on pop him in there leave him in there for like 10, 15 minutes, come back, grab the slip, do the same thing. And then I'd start to teach him, like, I have everything that you want. I have everything that you, you're going to want. And then what I would start to do is thresholds. So I'd say, what's your, what's your dog's name? I don't think I wrote that down. Okay. Murphy, Murphy, right? So I'd say Murphy sit, right? And then the dog would go into a sit. I'd take a piece of food. 
and I'd and I'd work on that sit, that implied sit. I, I'll say stay if you guys use stay, and I'll just take a a bowl like like a metal bowl, usually metal bowls for dogs. They're that's what they eat out of, drink out of. They're like okay. I know I know what that is, right? Put the treat in the bowl. I put the thing down, and I just hold that. And so it starts to create this boundary setting um, accumulation of bowl means food, food means bowl, this is yours, and the dog typically will kind of go for it, sometimes not. But when they're in that sit, I'm like, hey, so if he if he went for it, the bowl came out, he got up, he's like licking his chops, like, great, put that stuff in there. And again, I'd be mindful, uh, depending on his body language. Like if I felt like he was eyeing me, if I felt like he was getting too frustrated, I would then probably do a little bit more muzzle work with him as I was doing this because of his history of kind of being explosive. So if you guys were to say like, you know, he's probably going to come after you, I'd say, fine, put a muzzle on and let him come after me. No worries. So don't get too granule on that type of stuff. I'd be reading that as we go. So, but the the principle would be putting the food bowl down, holding the sit, and then breaking him on my terms. And um, and this is something that you guys could even do. Like if he's conditioned with the muzzle where you feel comfortable putting it on, these are things that you could start trying. And basically what this does is it kind of red light, green lights the dog of things are on my terms. Because I think at the very least of what's going on, is this dog is probably getting away with a lot of stuff. Well, can I say something about sure. that? Because I think you're right. And as you know, when something, when he, when he got aggressive, it's so scary. And these two have been injured. You just react and you, you scream, you yell, mm-hmm. you shriek, you move away. And, and he won. And he won. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so we're, we're obviously we're better at that now because we have the muscle and we're not, when he has it on, we're not scared. We're going to get injured, but it's still one of our questions was what should we be? How should we react in the moment when he does like we did, what he did this morning? What should we literally do in terms of our, what we yeah. say, what we do, how should we react? Yeah. So you guys would be lucky if that's the case. Like if that is the case, that would be the best case scenario for you. Just getting away with stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's pray for that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that you can work with. That is yeah. neurotic, uh, mental retardation. You cannot. Yeah. You, you can't. Right. Yeah. But if can I ask you a good question about that? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, with the, with the, the fact that someone had mentioned that the, the two, drives for a great Pyrenees and a border collie since they're kind of opposed could that possibly be part of it that he has like these opposing drives in his head a part of the genetic I I don't I don't don't try yeah it's a a little far-fetched for me I I I take like listen dog breeds are obviously a play but they're not every play you know, yeah. like I've met lazy border collies before. Yeah. Um, I've met, but, but again, like if, I don't know, I mean, to me having a guardian behavioral dog and then a dog that herds, it, I don't know how, why they would be like marked as opposite. I don't know why they would be that opposite. I mean, I think they're two different things. I don't think I would yeah. go along, but I think, I think there's, okay. So I think. 
in my experience, it's not wrong. I am not right and vice versa. Because like you, like you said, you looked online and you're going to get 10 different answers. Everybody has their own way of doing things in the dog world. You know, it, every, it's just like anything else, right? It's like an artist or a musician, right? Like how are you going to tell a local musician band that plays their own original music that they suck compared to Billie Eilish? All you can look at is the awards, the sold out arenas, the, the accolades, everything. It's like, they don't necessarily suck. They're just not as scalable or they're not as helpful to some people. So the dog training world's this weird place. But my point is, is I find that some people get so involved in the philosophy of the different, the different, like they, they, they philosophize too much instead of, instead of like getting into the nitty gritty, it's like, I don't know. So I wouldn't. Okay. Take it with a grain of salt, in my opinion, and I do. But breeds are hu- breed is huge. It's abso- absolutely enormous, right? If I get, excuse me, if I get an intact eight month old Rottweiler, I know how that dog's going to act, hundred yeah. percent, right? If I get a six month old Border Collie Belgian Malinois, I know how that dog's going to act. Breeds are very, very much a part of it. But to go on to saying like, well, you know, it's like it's creating like a cake. It's like, well, there's a dash of uh, you know, lab in there. So maybe because the dog wants to splash in the water that the great Pyrenees is not, it's like, it's too, it's too much. So don't worry about that too much. But, um, anyway, so what I was saying, I think was, uh, when you're trying to do this, yeah, I think the dog has gotten away with stuff. Uh, again, like dogs are so conditioned animals and it very well could be, a young working dog that has gotten away with stuff and has been rewarded through a certain behavior. So if he lashes out and starts to act aggressive or barks in the other room until he gets what he wants, that's what we've trained him to do. So I would be only, I would be treating, he wants to act like a working dog. I would be treating him like a working dog. Which means it would be when you're out of the crate, you're working, you're mentally, you're not like, and I, and I don't think he's doing this now. He's not roaming the house, like looking for a couch to lay on. Like these dogs, if they're not like doing something, yeah. then they're going to get into trouble. So I would say okay. start to create, like my dog is obsessed with everything, like a ball, a tug, a treat, whatever. I know, again, I talked about this earlier. If you guys came into my house right now, I'm like, Boom, and I gave you a bite pillow. I'm like, go outside. My dog is going to perk up, n- not know you at all, wag her tail, jump up and down, and go out the door and go, let's do this. Mm-hmm. So that's the type of – you want to set this dog up for success to say, when this dog comes out of this crate, I want to have everything in line that's going to help this dog be successful. That's like the plus side. That's the benefit to the dog of having something to do. The other side to that is having boundaries set up. To say, hey, yeah, here's a bite pillow, here's a tug, here's a ball, here's a treat, but you got to work a little bit for this. You got to down, you got to sit, you got to heal, you got to do whatever, you got to stay, yeah. throw it, okay, break. Probably doing that because he, he, when he has a ball or has something, you you have to pry it out. There's no command or and so then no so I I wouldn't so no training is better than bad training. <clears throat> so. If you have a young, worky, opportunistic, taking advantage over the family type of dog, 
don't ask the dog to do th- something you're not ready to reinforce to, to enforce and back up. So if you so if he has a ball and he takes off with it and you go, Murphy, come, Murphy, leave it, Murphy, drop it, Murphy, give it, Murphy, he's going, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's the yeah, child. Okay, good. Yeah. So I wouldn't um this is a dog that you just like you gotta be very careful about you have you have to you have to be uh you have to think about how you're handling this dog a little bit more you gotta like have a game plan almost which is weird because you wouldn't think like i'm just gonna go play with my dog it's like this dog's a little different so you just have to have like okay um so again i think being on the leash is gonna be important because that's the information you can provide it's very on your terms um the muzzle i think is just as important because at least you guys will have confidence knowing that if you are pushing boundaries a little bit, that if he does lash out at you, you can remain as calm as you can. You're going to be fine. You just kind of correct him off and say, Hey, that doesn't get you what you normally get out of that. And that's what I would be doing is I would be, I would just be when we're out, we're working on thresholds. We're working on challenges. We're working on pushing the limits and pushing the border of like, I want you to work for me. Like you got to work for your food. You have to ask for permission to leave the table. And that just creates respect. It creates boundaries. It creates, it creates everything that you, this dog will need in order to understand that there's some sort of job that has to be done before we just go out and play. Can we ask you a practical question about feeding him from a safety point of view? Uh, We're trying to figure out the right timing and the way to do it. Because like today we all, we kind of almost had an incident where if he knows you're getting his food and he runs to the crate and then he's standing outside of it and then we have to get the muzzle off and then do we put the food in the crate? Do we have, we've tried different things. We're just kind of want to know from your, with his history, mm-hmm. what would be the safest way for us when it's time to eat? And cause we've only been feeding him in the crate. Uh, how should we go about doing it? And you haven't, you haven't, I thought you said earlier that somebody had recommended, um, that you were hand feeding. Yeah. Yeah, And then then canine connection told us to stop. Just stop doing that and just feed him in the crates. Uh, because, because we had a biting incident doing the hand feeding because, you know. Okay. So it was more of a liability. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, so I would say, I mean, I want um, I want you to listen to your trainers, but I, I can give you two sides, and you can pick what what makes sense to you. That's the internet, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think um, there, there's two things. I mean, obviously, you don't want to create conflict. Okay, so you don't want to create conflict with a dog that can cause a lash out because then you're kind of like, shame on me. I. Yeah, I basically were, was playing playing roulette with this dog, right? Where you know he has somewhat of a lash outing type of response. Uh, he can be uh, random with it, and yeah. so by holding and possessing the thing that he usually does it for, maybe a mistake. But at the same time, if you can make it a positive association, which is the benefit of hand feeding to some dogs or all dogs, but some levels of spectrums, like some puppies, just it's just good to say, hey, sit, be patient. Okay, now you can have it. And then with your dog, it would be same thing I was talking about with thresholds, sit, good, break. Um, 
So I think the reason why you shouldn't is because that it could create that con like you're like, Hey, what does your dog want to bite you over? And it's like, let's play with this and the dog. But, yeah. at, but at the same time, um, it also gives you the opportunity to, to take away that advantage that he has. And so. that's honestly been one of them. We taught him to, to stay through hand feeding. Yeah. And that's probably yeah. one of the things that he's better at. He's good at, cause you have something that's so yeah. valuable to him. So maybe that, I don't, maybe we could hand feed him through the muzzle. You can, I have, uh, it depends on what yeah. type of muzzle you have. Um, yeah. have you had an incident with the hand feeding before? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, had, I was hand feeding him and he, he would sit, stay. I would hold the food out. I say, okay. He comes, he eats, he sits back down again. Unfortunately, this time, some of the food got stuck on my hand. And so he started to back away. There was still food on my hand because his wet mouth was yeah. wet food. And he just lunged and grabbed onto my arm. Because yeah. she just moved like two sides. And the- he snapped at me before without actually biting me concerning yeah so and again this is where you know it's kind of like going back to the same conversation i had before with you is this is going to take like i gotta i'd have to see it just like your company now has to see it but for me uh, there's also a there's also like a really big thing in here that i don't think he's been really corrected for it either so that's like a big um missing piece here is Mm -hmm. Let's face it, we have a dog that has been doing these things that we do not like that we are desperately trying to get rid of, but it there's a great likelihood that this dog has never been effectively punished at the right time as this behavior has happened. Yeah. Right. So that's where I would have to read this situation, but I, I would almost like feel comfortable muzzle um, maybe e-collar, slip leash, pager. So pager is just the vibrate. Yeah. And I would be working on almost setting the dog up, essentially. Yeah. I'd have my kibble and a treat pouch, the muzzle, like a Baskerville, which allows the dog. Yeah. yeah so it yeah. allows the dog to take food. And then if he does have a go at you, you can get pinched through it. Worst case, I've been pinched through it, but hey, I'll take that. You know, (laughs) so, so, but then as soon as he decides to say, he's almost like, again, it's a bratty type of thing. I want to say like, I'm upset. I didn't get the food faster. I'm upset. It's stuck to your hand. I want this. I don't know that for sure because there is real resource guarding. It does exist. And that's not the case if it is, but I'm just saying in my experience, real resource guarding is consistent. Right now, you take food out, you're paying him, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. It gets stuck in your yeah. hand, and then he's like, meh, I want it now. And you're like, oh, shit, boom, and then he hits you. So to me, like as a professional, I, I'm, I'm, I want to be careful about how I'm saying this, and I want to be clear that you, you can't just correct away real resource guarding. But this yeah. isn't really particularly, well, particularly striking me as – real resource guarding because of the inconsistency that he's having with it because it almost is like give me the food thank you give me the food thank you give me the food hold on a second nope boom so he's like getting upset that it's not getting to him faster or 
something. I don't know. So my point is, is like, I'd be interested to have the, my call. I have my own collar with Dogtra and, um, yeah, we bought it. Okay, cool. So it has the pager, right? So it would be slip leash pager on my hip and it would be hand feeding and same thing. Come on, buddy. Good pay. Good sit pay. And then I would be testing him because I have a muzzle. I have this slip. I can, I can stop him in six different ways. I'm not worried. Nobody's going to get hurt. I can work with this, right? I'm like a, one of those little divers in the shark cages, right? (laughs) And so when he comes at me, leave it, boom, he gets corrected for it. And I'm, and I'm teaching him. And sometimes that's where we see a lot of breakthroughs. There's a dog on my YouTube channel named Creature. He's like a, he's a a staffy, like American staffy. So it looks like a pit bull, but he's not. A terrier. They're just a terrier, right? They're just very drivey. Um, And this dog, it it surprised me so much how well he did with corrections. He was so intense about other dogs. Like he was really leash reactive to other dogs. Mm -hmm. He was so intense. I did not think he was ever going to snap out of it ever. I'm like looking at him and it doesn't matter how, how, how strong you are or whatever, like no correction. I thought I was like, this guy's, it's just going to be really a lot of avoidance and management. And I'm pretty sure we ended up using like the e-collar and he just, as soon as we used it, he was like, yeah, I'm good. I don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) And all we used was just the vibrate and it helped so much. So those are the first things I would start to say like, Hey, if we can, if we can isolate that, the problem is a young drivey confused opportunistic bratty dog that's never really been punished. I can isolate that within an hour. Because what I can do is I can hand feed the dog. If he does get frustrated and and try to have a go at me, I can correct the dog with the pager and then see how he, he re, A, how he reacts and responds. Like if he's freaked out by it, then that's good because that's that type of behavior then turns on that. And once he clicks because he's smart, he's like, I don't want to do that again. And then it gives me an opportunity to teach him. Now, of course, devil's advocate is – you, as I'm developing this dog, I would be able to tell you if I was just pushing down a problem to then pop up somewhere yeah. else. I that the only way you'd be able to tell that's happening is looking at the dog. How frustrated is the dog getting? How anxious is the dog getting? These are all things as a professional in in years and years and years of experience to say like, okay, this is. But sometimes you just get a dog and they're like, I didn't really know that was bad until just yeah. right now. So. You're, are you, do you, based on what you know with canine, you have a pretty good sense that they'll do some version of what you just explained. I am. I. I'm not sure. I am so out of the box. I don't think anybody, unless they watch what I do, does what I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> it seems. I don't. I don't know. I, I because like what I just told you guys is something I just thought of today. I. I never like. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just what. It's just like. That's where I would start. Like I would just start there. Because um, our our the part of our question was how will they reproduce or elicit what we're experiencing so they can try to correct it. Is it a board and train that you're doing? Yes. Yeah. But well, he comes home on the weekends. He comes home on the weekends. Okay. <laughs> House is going to be quiet for the week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, they should, uh, if they, if they have them for long enough, you know, they'll take their time and get that when they need to see, I never have time with dogs. That's the thing about my training, which is, I think has allowed me to get sharp 
you know, is because I at the the absolute most time I have with dogs collectively would be maybe three hours at the most. Yeah. Like that's the most I've had with dogs in years. I never have dogs, and that's over a two day seminar. Like they'll have an accumulation with me for three days, and that's why I or I'm sorry, three hours, and that's why I focus and, and I'm so heavy on education to the owner because I try to yeah. I try to find the problem, fix the problem, or isolate the problem, and then teach the owner how to help with it. Yeah. So quickly that that's my way of training is I don't. That's why again I think. It'd be like um, constantly being on America's Chef thing, where you're just always like, ev- like all eyes are on you. You have a little bit of time to make the best dish of your life, like every day, and that's just yeah. been my career. Like that's all I have time for, you know. Mm-hmm. So with having my point is, is with having more time, they may do something completely different. They may only walk the dog for the first week. Um, I don't know. So I doubt they're going to go immediately into what I'm talking about, but I, I think, um, and I don't know who you're working with over there. Um, but you know, you could certainly go over some of the notes and some of the things and some of the ideas that I've been throwing out of like, you know, I don't, I, like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't know who's there anymore. I haven't been there in years. Um, it would be a matter of, wait a minute, let's just see if this dog has ever been told no, because, Hey, we're going to be in a really good place. If this dog responds well to punishment where he's like, again, he's been conditioned that if he growls, lunges, barks, or bites that every, we all, we all say, here, t- take the bank here. What, what else, what else do you want? You know, do you want the will? Do you want the car? Do, do, what else do you want? The deed to the house. And that's kind of like what it's been right now, but I would be setting him up in the scenarios to say, Hey, your usual MO of getting what you want doesn't work with me, bud. And then we might have a dog go, okay, what do you want me to do next? And then I've, I've seen that happen. Like I've seen that happen many times. There's hundreds of videos on my YouTube channel of that happening. But my experience is I'd be able to tell you what that is by by handling the dog after. And what yeah. I'm looking for after is a couple things. I'm looking if a dog is still eyeing me like, you mother, oh, I hate you. Uh, I, mean, I can't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to get you. Or it would be like. Yeah, you know what? You're right. This is this is uh, this is way better than acting the way I did. I, you know. I've seen it. Um, I've seen straight confusion where dogs are like, what? <laughs> I've never, you know, they've never been punished before, like for that. So there's just a lot to, to do. But I think my suggestion is, is you guys have already spent so much time and efforts and, and resources into doing what you're doing. And I think that the camp that you have him signed up for is a good camp. And I think just letting them bring bring him into their shop for that those those weeks will um get you a better idea um if you still after that are struggling with like just finding out more about the dog you could always come up to me for a weekend cuz that's really what I do is I'm I'm just a consultant like I don't train dogs I educate people on like I tell you like hey this is what this is Here's the things you need to do to make it better. It's up to you whether or not you can do it. That's it. And usually we get results like that. Like we get results that weekend. Like every video you see are people who I only see for two days and they've 
traveled from all over the country and it's usually like, whoa, this is a lot different. And, um, but, but it's not like, sometimes it's not realistically sustainable because the dogs are tired and I'm around. So the teacher's there and the real work goes home when the owners go home and start working. So I think you have a lot of options. Um, but I think most importantly is you guys are doing all the right things. Most people that I work with, once they get to me, they're doing the right thing, but they've done all the wrong things. They're doing everything wrong. I think you guys are doing it right. I think just you should set it up very structured like you probably already are, putting them on the leash, doing a little bit of obedience, letting them play, bringing them back in, um, lots of physical and mental exercise for them. And then, you know, just know at the end of the day, you're going to bring them to somebody on next week and they're going to hopefully be able to give you a lot more information than I could because they're, you know, they got yeah. the yeah. 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 Great. Thank you. You're welcome. So much. Uh, if, if, uh, after the six weeks, uh, if we're at a crossroads or what to do and we need some more advice, we can do another. Yeah, of course. Another consultation. <clears throat> yeah, of course. Okay. Of course. Um, absolutely. And, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We could do that. And there are there resources for for replacing dogs like him. I mean, or is it just who you know and random research that? Yeah, it's it? yeah, it's tough because I mean, dogs are getting put down. Like great dogs are getting put down every day. Puppies are getting put down yeah. every day. Like there's not enough resources for people to help dogs, and so it's really about who you know and um finding the right spot but again you guys have such a good advantage because again it's like buying a car that somebody already spent all the money tuning up the work's already done you just have to drive off with it because you're experiencing this and i'm not so yeah. think about that like hey this this dog has a, a solid good six weeks in a good company you know four weeks at a not a decent company um you know and and uh yeah yeah so you just again don't don't stress yourself over it too much just take it day by day week by week and just figure out what this dog is and let the professionals do their job and they'll tell you and then you say okay and then you start kind of putting your feelers out there and say like hey you know this dog needs this home that we can't provide and um you know you guys are doing every every you guys are helping this dog out more than you know even though you may feel like it's not helpful and you may feel like you're not progressing, but trust me, you guys are doing more than most people would ever dream of doing. So just take it, I take it slowly. Don't be so hard on yourself. Figure this dog out a little bit over the next couple months. And then once you feel like you got a good hand on the dog and you feel like you're, the dog could be safe in a particular home, then you start looking for those resources. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. We good, appreciate it. You're welcome. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you so All much. Right, have a good night. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast, which means I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. First one comes from Monk Poker Face. Awesome podcast for humans. Uh, five stars. Thank you so much. What do you suggest for a mobile dog groomer to groom difficult to groom dogs? Lick, lipping, lifting up, growling, biting, for instance, uh, the fear-free positive reinforcement approach, or is there another way to show a dog 
what they're doing is unwelcome. Uh, is there a dog groomer dog training course? It's a good question. This came up in my seminar because I had a bunch of dog groomers in the uh, attendance. I think um, this is one of those situations that you're either comfortable working with, like you have a knack and an instinct to work with some of these dogs or you don't. That's why a lot of people that were in my seminar, the groomers were just like, there's a lot of people who just won't touch these dogs because they just want to groom the dog and get on to the next one. So I, I, you know, I don't really have any specifics about this, but I can say, I think, um, it would be really helpful for you to like understand how to read the body language and know what to look for and also know how to build a relationship with the dog without kind of pressing boundaries. Um, but I, I, there is no course for it. Um, I, I'm, I'm not really big on like coining like fear-free positive, like a fear-free is just a marketing campaign that a company used that th- this is just bullshit, like fear-free positive approach there's positive reinforcement in every single bit of dog training always um it's just what marketing people like to do so uh i don't know how to answer that one but um what do i suggest i suggest continuing to work with these dogs and figure out how to handle it um it's kind of like the way that i'm reading this is how do you work with an aggressive dog is just you just do Uh, i don't know you just do it um yeah, this is a tough one. Sorry. <clears throat> Usually I like to give a little bit more, but anyway, uh, K-M-R-E-E, Country Dog, City Dog, Texas Healer. This is an excellent podcast, and I really appreciate how you share the information so we can learn. You are indeed an excellent people trainer. Thank you. I'm leaving to start. I'm leaving the start of the question. I have adopted a four-year-old runaway intact Texas healer while living on a farm, but I actually live in a big city. He's such a good, awesome dog. Uh, He likes other dogs, loves people. He's generous and sweet. He learns fast and likes to please, but can get sassy and is hard to recall. No food motivated, no food motivation when focused or distracted. Not that not that interested in playtime, doesn't care about toys, mostly wants to snuggle, chase, and pee on everything in the city. I live in a tiny apartment on a busy street, so it's a little hard to eliminate distractions and getting training space. I may as well have had moved him to the moon. <laughs> I have a slip lead, and I've been working on the fundamentals every day, but would like some advice on how to best support him and me with his transition. Uh, how do I best get him focused? I think creating focus takes time, first of all. So if he's not that f- motivated by much, I wouldn't give him access to the things that he wants without focus. Everybody's focus is going to be different. If you're talking about him looking at you, um, make him look at you before you move out of a door. Make him look at you before you heal. Make him look at you before you give him treats. Start queuing it up with the focus command. Uh, the other way that you can get a dog engaged with you on a leash is doing directional changes and not going into one direction all the time. Back up, inside turns, outside turns. I did that on my last podcast, um, two podcasts ago, 144 I think it is, um, on a reactive German Shepherd giving dog owner run for their money, I think. Um, or maybe it's the one before that. But basically, listen to my dog reactivity blueprint uh, episode on how to heal a dog and tune a dog up to get them to pay attention to you. How do I basic train this dog in advanced training environment? Um, I would start off with inside, work your way out, work your way in the hallways, work your way in your, in your apartment, work your way in, uh, public places, uh, are all going to be probably less distracting than outside. 
would you recommend a more serious collar to get his attention? I think a slip leash is fine. Uh, slip leash should work completely fine. I'm working with him on a busy street and we are both getting extremely frustrated. Holding him accountable is not working with such distracted environments. Should be bribing him until he learns the motions. No, I think he should learn the motions before you get out into those environments. So don't ask too much of him either. Like don't just try to heal him a little bit and give him a break. Make sure you have a break command. I'm building my practice in consistency and I want to learn. I'm worried about harming him by trying to adopt him into my life. Yeah, I mean, that's also at the end of the day, like that's what this podcast is about. Maybe this dog would be happier somewhere else where he can be a working dog. So all of those things, um, yeah, they're there. Good question. Uh, CS0261, Littermates, uh, I have just started listening to this podcast and I'm so excited. I love how much emphasis there is on the person rather than the dog. It really makes me rethink everything I'm doing. That's good, I think. A question, I have a... I have two German Shepherd puppies that are seven months old. I've had them since they were five weeks old. The guy selling them obviously didn't care about them. I've been walking them separately and training them separately with Clicker, but I'm struggling a bit because I'm using their food for training. <clears throat> Excuse me. First, then treats after they finish their daily food, but they, but they aren't very food-driven at all. Very toy-driven, prey-driven. How can I train them with such low food drive? I would just use a ball. It's that simple. I'd just use a ball. Um, that's the best thing to do. Just get a ball out, use that, use a toy. Um, just do it incrementally. So if you're working on heel, it would be heel, one, two, three, throw the ball. Um, if it's recall, it's just holding the ball up and they, they can crush it when they get to you. And that's how you do it. So not every um, dog is, is going to do well with food, and that's okay. I think you just have to... Make sure you get creative on how to um, pay the dog. And I think by using uh, an item is good, like a tug toy or a wedge. Like I just bought a wedge for my dog, like a bite wedge. So you just have to get creative to see what your dog likes. And then that's what I have to do. I have a whole toolbox of things um, that I say, hey, this is all the things that I have. And these are the things I'm going to do. And yeah, so... Um, anyway, good luck and thank you guys for listening as always, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.